We have been in this series, Principles from the Book of Ruth, and in a previous message, we looked at the subject, Consider Your Choice. We discovered that choices are very important because in the process, if you just haphazardly choose and not seek the counsel and the wisdom of God, you may miss God's best, mess up someone's blessing, or make unnecessary burdens. Today in this next message in Ruth, I want to preach from the subject, What Will Your Testimony Be? After forsaking God and country and moving to Moab, Elimelech and his sons died. After all the tragedy and significant loss, we are left with three widows, Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth. These women are helpless and alone, but life goes on. They realize they cannot sit by the graves of their husbands forever if they want to survive. And after having heard of the Lord's provision in Judah, Naomi knows that she must return to the land of promise. So they begin the process of deciding what each will do with very different logics, motivations, and outcomes. The decision they make will become their life testimony. As we look at the testimonies of these three women, I want you to consider that they are the prototype of what our life's testimony will be. As a follower of Jesus, will your life testimony be animosity and pity, apostasy and duplicity, or will it be characterized by appreciation and loyalty? What will your testimony be? Let's look at the text. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you, to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say, if I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, Would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, 
But Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, And the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. What a tremendous story. Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth are examples of how three people can experience the same tragedy and yet have three different perspectives that affect the outcome and impact of their testimony. What will your testimony be? Will your testimony be like Naomi's, whose testimony was characterized with animosity and pity? I want to show it to you in the text. Ruth chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Now, Naomi says, turn back, my daughters, go your way. She's insistent on them turning back. And then in verse 13, we see, know my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake. Naomi has no options in Moab. She is compelled to return to Israel. God's design for people who fall away is to return to him. She had heard of God's supernatural provision for the people that stayed in Bethlehem. Therefore, going back sounded pretty good. At least the clan might help her. But she is still seeking after bread alone. Throughout the passage, we see her hopeless, not faithless, but hopeless. She maintains a faith in an absolute sovereign God who whom hardened, who, or, or rather who hardens whom he will and has mercy upon whom he will to accomplish his purposes. In fact, she invokes his covenant name as a blessing upon her daughters. 
However, she's convinced that the enemy, that she's an enemy of God. In her self-pity and pain, she begins to make poor decisions. She decided to cut herself off from all of her blessings by sending her daughters-in-law away home. They had pull, they had potential and possibility as Marians, and as they have been part of her family for 10 years now at least, would they not take care of her? She's designing their deliverance for them. It's a page right out of A. Lee Malek's playbook, making decisions that mess up someone else's blessings. She is constantly dwelling on her loss and not on her blessedness, and therefore she becomes very bitter. Think about her two prized possessions, the living God who promises steadfast love, and Ruth and Orpah, whose wounds are full of promise. Remember that from God's perspective, Naomi was in a great spot, richly blessed and full of potential. Animosity and pity will keep you from seeing just how blessed you are. The whole notion of repentance is a change in attitude. That that's the root of repentance. But a change in behavior is the fruit of repentance. Don't go back simply for the blessings. But go back to God, return to God for a relationship with the eternal Lord and sovereign God of all of heaven. Here's a principle. You need to guard yourself from making major life-changing decisions in times of intense pain or grief. God's plan and purpose for our lives is not always logical. And so don't plan your way out. Let God open the doors. Guard your speech in times of distress. Bitterness and anger can be a reaction to intense pain in our lives. We become angry at people about their decisions, but really our anger is at God for allowing this to happen in our lives. I have a little saying I like to remember. That's the word halt. Halt, H-A-L-T, means stop. But I want to use it as an acronym. Do not make any major life change decisions when you get too hungry, too angry, too lonely, or too tired. Those emotions halt. Let us know that we need to stop because you typically will make the wrong decision 90% of the time. Forsake anger and you kill bitterness. Don't focus on what you lost, but upon what you have left. We must train our minds to focus on God and blessings. Trust in an absolutely sovereign God who has the best plan for you. You may not be able to choose your circumstances, but beloved, you can always choose your attitude. Don't let your testimony be one like Naomi's, as characterized by animosity and pity. What will your testimony be? 
Will your testimony be like Orpah's, who was characterized by apostasy and duplicity? Apostasy is a willful falling away from the faith. And duplicity is where there is more than one God or sovereign being you recognize and affirm in your life. Let me show it to you in the text. In Ruth chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, the Bible says, And they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. This is a way of saying she's kissing her goodbye. They are departing ways. That in and of itself may not necessarily be bad, but what follows is Ruth and Sharon, I'm sorry, Naomi and sharing with Ruth says, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Don't want to ling on Orpah too much because the text does not. But I do think there is one important lesson to learn from her. What we see in her is initially she stands shoulder to shoulder with Ruth and telling Naomi that they will stick with her all the way to the end. But after many tears, ridicule, and logical arguments, Orpah decides to return to her people and to her god, Chemosh. She's a picture of apostasy, a willful defection or falling away from the faith. Now, she's lived for at least 10 years with a family that taught about a loving, holy, covenant-keeping God and yet never fully believed. Jesus talks about this in the parables of the soils, how some seed fell among thorns and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choked it. Beloved, hear me carefully. There's a big difference in making a decision to follow Jesus and becoming a disciple of the Lord Jesus. Orpah made a decision but she not never was a disciple. She did not fully engage. Now, before you take this and run away too far, the teaching of the New Testament is clear. That is, true believers are eternally secure and will persevere until the end and not finally fall away. But the corollary to that is that there are some, in fact, many who have been exposed to the teaching of Scripture, even moved on by the Spirit, possibly a part of a Christian community or church who will choose to not fully follow Christ for the sake of the faith. This is not to cause doubt or insinuate that one could lose their salvation, but it is to say that there are many people who have been deceived by others or by themselves as well as those who are hypocrites. They're not true believers. If people ultimately reject the faith, they were never really there.
Do you know why you believe what you believe? Can you defend your belief through the word of God? Or are you going through the motions, never having been fully persuaded? I want to challenge you to be careful, beloved, because your life's testimony could end up like that of Orpah's, characterized by apostasy and duplicity. What will your life testimony be? Will it be like Naomi's? full of animosity and pity? Will it be like Orpah's, full of apostasy and duplicity? Don't let either of those become your testimony. But what will your testimony be? I pray, my friend, that your testimony will be like Ruth, and that is one of appreciation and loyalty. Let me show it to you in the word of God. Ruth chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. She says, Your God will be my God. Then she says further on, Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Bible says that Ruth clung to her. It's the same word that's used in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, when a man shall leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. It's like being glued together. The two become one. Now, we must remember that Ruth had been through the similar hardship as Naomi, yet she did not turn out bitter. She chose to look at what she had gained instead of what she lost. Instead of being angry with life and God about her loss and hardship, she was grateful that she got to know God at all. She no longer had to pray to a demon, Chemosh, that demanded child sacrifice to gain his favor. She also had a wonderful mother-in-law who everyone liked. She might have said hunger and grief are temporary, but the joy of the Lord is eternal. Ruth was the kind of person who was willing to allow her new faith to shape her outlook. Ruth was the one who was willing to forsake all to follow God and stay with Naomi. She would have little chance of marrying in Bethlehem. She's a Moabite and the law forbid it intercultural marriage so that the heart of these women would not turn the heart of their husbands from God. There's really no hope or prospect of her finding a husband there, but she's looking to God in gratitude and hope and faith that God would work things out for the best, all the while exercising his steadfast love. She is living what the Bible shares with us in the New Testament in Romans 8, and we know that all things are working together for good to those who love the Lord and to those who are called according to his purpose. That may seem difficult sometimes when you see 
tragedy and maintaining hope, it's hard to not focus and dwell on loss and to see in spite of the loss what we have left. This quote by Charles Haddon Spurgeon helps me. God is too good to be unkind and he's too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace his hand, we must trust his heart. We're not simply products of our environment and upbringing. You cannot say, use your past and your present circumstances to justify wrong behaviors. Through Christ, we can choose to be faithful even when others are not being faithful to us. Allow Christ to show steadfast love to others through our lives. Gratitude should be our attitude, even in the face of absolute loss. But we have to train our minds to look at our gain and not our loss. We're blessed in many ways. And of course, as Ruth might testify, we have the most valuable blessing in the universe in Christ. Nothing is more valuable than the lessons we learn about God during times of distress. Remember, life is about God and his glory and his kingdom. What will your testimony be? Will it be one of animosity and pity? No. Will it be one of apostasy and duplicity? Absolutely not. Let it be appreciation and loyalty. How does it happen? We offer Christ to you. My brother, my sister, in offering Christ to you, he will give you brand new life through life eternally. Won't you come? Surrender your life to Christ and more importantly, come under his protection. May God bless and keep you.